Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. Once again, that's what we aim to do on this episode of The Secret Podcast. We're going to look into the future. We're going to look at the present. We're going to explore our freedoms, our right to privacy, and the exploitation violation of those rights when it comes to big companies like Google and the data collection agencies out there. There's some articles in the press recently. More compromises have been made to our own security with our online profiles, personalities, and interactions. Going to talk about that a little bit. Talk about our freedoms. Get into some spiritual stuff as well. Uh, I'd like to talk about been a uh, busy week as always. Here we are Saturday night. It's nine o'clock in the evening, Eastern Standard Time. My show is supposed to go get recorded at Friday at the latest. It's just been a, uh, a busy week for me. You know, I had a um, something I want to talk about. I, I had a debate with a family member today and it really bothered me. We were talking about the vaccine issue and we were and we were going back and forth and it wasn't an argument at first at least. But we were talking about how those conspiracy theorists just think the government's out to get everybody and they're not doctors. So they should just, you know, basically take a step back since we're not doctors and we have to trust in our authority. And that statement scares me and it upsets me. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. My children are vaccinated because I couldn't find a smoking gun, honestly. I found a lot of things that concern me that I think need to be addressed. But it wasn't enough for me to take the risk with my children. And this is not a vaccine debate. I am still open. I haven't, I don't understand it yet. My issue is that the people charged with the authority of determining whether or not things are safe, historically... In positions like the CDC, the FDA, um, it was the AMA, the American Medical Association, I think that's what it's called. These people have had strong ties to the businesses that are creating these drugs or these products that then make millions of dollars. So it's difficult to take their word that something is safe when we see them bouncing back and forth. Now, let's add to that, there is a documented history of accounts of people in government, people in governmental positions, lying to make a profit or lying to conduct experiments. And there's countless examples of this throughout history and throughout recent history of the government lying and doing things against the American people without them knowing. And I'm not trying to bash the government here. But how can I don't what I don't understand is how somebody can look at me 
and imply, not say, but imply, oh, well, these conspiracy theorists, and we all know the connotation that comes with that statement, these conspiracy theorists. How can you look at us and call us conspiracy theorists when all of this is documented? There is a history of deceit and of lies, and yet every time you get on social media, somebody's complaining about some politician that did something illegal, corrupt, immoral, or wrong, and they lied about it. Yet as soon as somebody says, well, I'm worried about the safety of my children because I can't trust the people in government, oh, you're one of those crazy conspiracy theorists. You're one of those anti-vaxxers. No. I'm somebody who sees things that are conflicting, and I want to know why. You know, and I started thinking about this, and obviously we have our cognitive dissonance that comes into play. But I've done a couple of shows, and I've written about the Milgram experiment. Now, there was a documentary on HBO about it, and if you look into it, Stanley Milgram, after World War II, was trying to understand how Nazi soldiers could say, quote, just follow orders and exterminate so many millions of people in such horrific ways. So he conducted an experiment, several experiments, and in this experiment, he basically set it up where there was a student and there was a teacher, and I'm giving you a very watered-down version of this. And he would introduce the student to the teacher, and he would take the student on one side of a room, and the teacher would be with him, and the teacher would watch the experimenter in a white lab coat connect the student to electrodes. The teacher would then leave the room and the the lab technician would sit him down in a wall dividing them. So they were on opposite ends of the wall and he was given like an electric electrocution panel. I don't know what the heck it was called. And he told him, you're going to ask the student a series of questions. Every time the student gets the answer wrong, you're going to give the student an electric shock. Every time you give a shock you're going to increase the voltage a little bit. So as it goes in succession, the student's going to be hit with higher and higher and higher doses. And what these results found, I may be off slightly by a few percentage points, but 60% of all participants administered a dose of of electricity to the student that was harmful. I'm sorry, 100% administered a dose that was harmful. 60% administered a dose that was lethal, that would kill the student. Now, going through this experiment, as the doses got more severe, the student would start screaming, Stop! Please! No more! It hurts! End the experiment! And then, after the the volts got so high, the student would stop responding. The The teacher would ask another question. If there was no response, they were instructed to administer another shock. Now, what the teacher didn't know, and this is where some ethical violations, people were raised all up in arms over ethics, doesn't change the data, though. What they, what they didn't know was that the student was actually part of the experiment. The student was not hooked up to electrodes. The student was an actor who was reading from a script, so everything was consistent with the data, and playing along, basically. But what they found was that people... Uh, and if the student, if the teacher objected, the person in the white lab coat said, "You will continue with the experiment, or you must continue with the experiment." And that was it. So what the what the results found was that if somebody has a perceived authority 
telling them to do something, they are more likely to follow that authority's instructions if they respect the authority of that person, if they believe in the authority of that person. And they will kill somebody. So this is somebody who's like, oh, we're just doing an experiment here and I'm going to kill somebody today. So again, there were some ethical issues with that. And now I know some of the haters out there or people that want to debunk this, there are some critiques of the experiment. Obviously, the uh, the demographic, I think, focused on mostly like white men. Um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. So there were some, some challenges you could make to the sample of people pulled, but it's still pretty shocking data. And this experiment was repeated and modified uh, and done in a variety of ways. They have a large uh, data set that they pulled on this, and they still got similar results. There were some modifications, and they got an understanding of kind of what the perfect formula was to get people to do things. Um, but it, it speaks to human nature. People are inclined or programmed or bred or I don't know what to follow a perceived authority's instructions. So now we have our government telling us, you know, vaccines are safe. And the majority of people want to say, yes, vaccines are safe. The government said, the FDA said it, the CDC said it, we're, we're good, we're safe. But I look back to, you know, the documentary Cancer, the Forbidden Cure and the Hoxie Clinic and how when people were being cured of cancer, the FDA and the CDC repeatedly raided the clinic and they shut it down. They tried to suppress it. First, they tried to buy it. The American Medical Association tried to buy the cure to cancer so that they could hold it and repress it. And then they tried to shut it down and discredit it. And he had to up and move his clinic to Mexico where people are being cured from cancer today. This is documented stuff. So don't tell me that my government knows best. Don't tell me that the scientists out there that are pushing vaccines all the time always have our best interest at heart. I'm not saying vaccines are bad. I'm saying some of the people in power have issues with their credibility. Therefore, I have a tough time trusting what's out there. And that's what this show is all about, questioning that which we've been taught. And it's a difficult leap to make sometimes. But I'm tired. I am tired of people looking at me like I'm some crazy conspiracy theorist that has no education and I'm just going off of one YouTube video I watched. I am a talented investigator. I have a master's degree in education and a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And 11 years experience as an investigator in law enforcement ranging from the private sector up to the federal national level. So if I make a statement like, hey, this doesn't add up, it's not because I watched a YouTube video. Well, I'm really venting right now, aren't I, guys? My apologies. Let me, let me take it down a notch. I, I'm sorry for the ego that came in there. Um, but that's how I feel. This stuff is real. There's real questions. There's real discrepancies. And, and, and you know, I was thinking, and I'm going to talk about some of our data and what we can find online tonight, too, but... I was I was talking to my kids. I really sounded like an old man the other day. And I was like, you know, when I was a little boy, and I was thinking, if we wanted to know something, we had to either get in our car and drive to the library, or some of us had encyclopedias in our home. I had encyclopedias from like 1954 or something. They were my dad's or, uh, I don't know, maybe the 60s. But So I had a set of encyclopedias. So it was like 20 volumes, 20 books, right? All in alphabetical order. And you'd have like the A book, you know, the, the B through D book. So if you wanted to know something, you had to get your encyclopedia and look it up. Now, the problem with that, it was one company's 
opinion or fact-finding that dictated what you read. So most people were getting in their information from the same few sources in these encyclopedias, so there wasn't much room for discrepancy. So if you looked up alien or extraterrestrial or UFO, you'd get the standard party line. I wish I still had those encyclopedias. They may not even be in there. So now we've got this thing called the Internet, and everybody has the freedom to put what they want up there. And people can tell stories and lie and make stuff up without any repercussions, it seems, right now. So there are literally billions and billions and billions of pages out there of information. And some of that information is legitimate and valuable. And a lot of it is crap. How do you weed through it? How do you determine what's valuable? How do you regulate it? How do you police it? I don't have an answer for that on this show. But what we are seeing are monopolizations of certain platforms that we use to gather that and to search for that information or to share that information. We're seeing biases, bi bias, biases, bi whatever. We're seeing bias by these companies that control these things, skewing our search results, much like the encyclopedia only having one option of an answer for us. This gives us multiple options, but since there's billions of pages out there, you have to put the right, you have to ask the right questions to get the right answers. Otherwise, you're going to be given directly what the system wants you to see. Now, with that in mind, tonight I'm going to talk about some more breaches of that data, of that security. Because our whole lives are out there. I touched on it last week with Facebook, how Facebook knew for weeks that they were compromised, and yet they told nobody because they didn't want to affect their shareholders. So I want to dive into that a little bit, some stuff that's going on with Google. Uh, but before I do that, I need to step back. I need to, I need to cool my jets a little bit here because I, I feel that I came off a little bit intense. I want to apologize to you guys for that. I don't, I don't like to come off that way, but I, I was really upset. I was really upset about that. So here's an article. And, and let me sidestep for a minute, too. This article, it speaks to me. It inspires me, and it ties into some stuff that I've been thinking about a lot this week. Um, and, and it's from the Washington Post, and it's called The Wellness Revolution Has Reached Its Shamans for Higher Stage. Now, I remember when I was younger, in my 20s, and I heard the term shaman. Again, my head was like, oh, man, pagan voodoo. That's scary stuff. And... Once I started researching it, what is a shaman, what is a pagan, I came to find out that, well, this isn't anything bad. These are people who try to live in balance with the earth, to try to be respectful of all life, to, to try to be in tune with the various life force energies that exist all around us. They're the guides to the spirit world, to the afterlife, that help prepare us to navigate the spiritual challenges that we face in life. And that's a beautiful thing. And we have 
modern day, we have our priests and our imams and our rabbis and our other religious mainstream leaders that help you navigate some of the challenges of life based on the dogma and doctrine that they believe in. There's nothing wrong with that. But I found in my journey, when I'd experienced things like, well, it feels like there's a ghost in my house, or I think I'm seeing auras around people, or hey, I walked in a room and all of a sudden I'm picking up other people's emotions, or when the phone rings, I know who's calling before I answer it. My religion couldn't answer that. And when I'd start digging, I'd get answers like, well, that sounds like the work of the devil or of demons. You should stay away from that. So I spent time thinking I had evil around me because I'd have these experiences. And let me tell you, when I opened up to it, when I finally embraced it, the stress and internal conflict and tension I felt melted away. The fear was gone. The anxiety, the, the, all of it. And my abilities, my gifts, which we all have, became clearer. I understood them better. I was able to use them and trust them and rely on them even more. And it was a wonderful thing. So when I see this article about shamans uh, becoming more popular and mainstream, I'm excited for that. I'm very excited for that. I'm inspired by that. I'm going to read some of this article. I'll share it in the show notes in the secret newsletter at sixcentsmedia.net. Wellness, the 2018 edition, certainly seems to be catapulting us further into the astral plane. Like the seekers of the 1960s and 70s, a new generation of self-care devotees is taking up ceremonial sage burnings known in New Age circles as smudging, singing bowls, Japanese Reiki crystals, Mayan sweat lodges, and Ayurvedic massages. Sephora is selling $160 rose quartz crystal energy comb and the spirituality lost are seeking FaceTime with shamans. In the case of Hanukkah's clients, they're quoting people that are earlier in the article, paying $325 an hour for the privilege. So it goes on to talk about, you know, a little bit more of what's happening here. And, and the article seems pretty friendly towards it, pretty unbiased, I, I think. Um, I, I, I love this idea. You know, this is why I do my show. Man, I'm really stuck in my ego right now. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to be kind of a part of this being able to share information, and, and when those of you reach out to me, I'm so thankful that you're putting your confidence in me, saying, hey, have you ever experienced this, or, or, or here's what I'm dealing with. What's your spin on it? And I don't have nearly all the answers. Usually I come back with more questions. And But it's, it, it's a learning experience for me, and, and I, I'm so happy that more and more people are becoming open to, to this aspect of our existence, because it's been such a personal and meaningful journey to me. So I wanted to share this article because I feel like I've been throwing some fire and brimstone out there lately, and this is important. And I've got stuff in, in the background that I'm working on related to this right now that I can't share at the moment, but this is important. And despite all the scary and negative stuff I may talk about lately and some of the stuff I'm going to get into tonight, let us remember this aspect of it. Let us remember our own spirituality, whatever that may be. And I think, you know, one of the most valuable spiritual rules, pretty, you know, one of the only ones I try to live by, I try to keep it simple, was, you know, I was, when I was studying Wicca for a while, they have what's called the Wiccan Reed. 
do what you will, so long as you harm none. And that is not as easy as it sounds. But it, enc- it's, it encompasses so much. It's You have the freedom to do whatever you want, but you have the responsibility to make sure your freedom does not infringe on the freedom of others. And I think that's important. It's a good segue to where we're going here because this stuff all ties in. I think part of the reason why this world seems so broken is because we've lost our way. We're focused on me, 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 or the knee-jerk hot-button reaction that's being crammed down our throats from these social media giants out there or the, the mainstream media, what they're putting out there. And then we're like, react, 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 oh my gosh. And we're not taking a time, the time to listen to that inner voice. We're listening, we're stuck in mind, we're stuck in argument, we're stuck in ego. Here's what I'm being told, i got to react right now, and i got to react with anger. You know, I was in a bad mood this morning, because I haven't slept much, because just between work and, and my kids. So I was up a little bit later last night than I wanted to be, and then my youngest was up at 6 a.m. I let her lay there for about a half hour, she didn't go back to sleep, so I got her up, and as I'm getting her up, my oldest was wide awake in his room. So I'm exhausted. So I'm sitting out there, and I'm, I'm just trying to mess around on my computer, set them up with you know some stuff to eat and drink. And my oldest is just, Daddy, just speaking, 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 going on and on and on. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, it's cool. Daddy doesn't really feel like talking right now. I'm tired. And I was just I was grumpy. And the more this like beautiful little boy is talking to me, the angrier I'm getting. And then he starts chasing my daughter around. She's one, one and a half. So they're running around. Everybody else is sleeping. It's it's like 7 o'clock in the morning. So finally I'm like, enough! Stop running! I can't take it anymore. And I noticed something happened. My kids were playing. They were so happy just chasing each other. But because I was in a funk, I then snapped at him and put that energy on him. And then he sat down and he started crying. Yeah, parent of the year right here, right? Here's my confession. I felt horrible. And I tried to apologize. I did apologize to him. You know, and I still told him, you know, you you didn't listen to daddy. But I felt bad because I broke his spirit with my negativity. How often do we do that? Or how often are we victims of that? I saw the transfer. I felt the transfer of energy. He went from a happy little boy to someone who was angry for the next 45 minutes. He was, and then he st- and then he started picking on his younger sister. I watched it went from me to him to her, and that's how it's working out there in the world. And we know that you look at the heart math studies energetically, we're transferring that information amongst ourselves as well. That's why I think it's important when you get that knee jerk reaction, take a step back, meditate, research, think about it before you respond. If you feel angry, then it's not the time to respond. Write something down. You know, and here's another piece of advice. I keep a journal with me. I have for years. If you're that emotional about it, write it down in your hard copy journal. Don't put it in a Word document. Don't put it on social media. Write it down in a journal. Number one, if you're saying some stuff you shouldn't be saying, it's not out there in electronic world where somebody can read it and hack it and compromise you or use it against you. Number two, It's an emotional release because we need sometimes that emotional release when we see something bad. Write it down. And it serves so many benefits. Right now, if you had to go back and search for posts from 2015 on Facebook, 
you're going to have one heck of a time scrolling down trying to find it, at least as it stands right now, because Facebook doesn't have a very good search feature for your old stuff. If I want to go back and read something, an experience I had or some feelings that I had back in 2015, my journals are in, in chronological order. I can find it in probably less than three minutes. And it's insightful to see what you were feeling and to reflect on that and to go back on it. And, and if you're in the moment and you write that all down, once you're done writing it, you can go back and read it, you edit it, whatever, and you can say, you know what? I don't need to post this anymore. I worked, I worked through it. We don't always have to work through things publicly says the guy who has a show where he works through things publicly, right? But I'm serious. On social media, I don't engage in those arguments. Sometimes I'll start typing something furiously, and I say, you know what? This is going to turn into an argument. Let me stop. Let me step back. And in three minutes, I'm not mad anymore. I forgot about it. But if you engage that thread, then every time somebody responds to it, you get that alert on your phone, you're getting another burst of that negative energy, and you're arguing your way through it again. We need to take better responsibility. And, and, and what I'm saying is we need to start doing that inner work. When we step back and we write it down on paper, we're first having a conversation with ourselves. We're first taking the time to understand our own feelings, our own thoughts and emotions affiliated with them. That is so powerful and it's healing and it's therapeutic. Then we can come to a conversation from a calmer place of care and concern, from a place of genuine inquiry to understand and learn. So get yourself a journal and start writing stuff down before you put it on social media. And maybe just try unplugging from social media. You might be surprised that that energy, like what I put out on my kids this morning because I was a grumpy old man in the morning, you might find that you're no longer contributing to that flow. And instead, you can start putting out positive or more well-thought-out things. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox here. Before I get into uh, what I want to talk about with Google and freedom and all that fun stuff, um, there's an article that's featured in Unknown Country, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard some of this content already. But the title of it is, UN Delivers an Ear-Splitting Wake-Up Call to the World. Time is running out in the fight against global warming. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has issued a dire warning that our current efforts at addressing the problem of climate change are not keeping pace with the increase of rate of global warming, and we need to act quickly if we are to avoid evoking the more immediate cat catastrophes that come with allowing the planet's climate to rise past 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit above the pre-industrial average. This warning comes with admission that we can indeed meet this seemingly impossible goal, but it comes at a cost. The human community needs to cut its carbon emissions by nearly half in the next 12 years. This article has several links to it, and, and it's got more information on this, which I'm going to link to Unknown Country's article about it. Some thoughts that are coming to my mind right now about this. I'm, I believe some form of climate change is happening. I don't know what the cause is. Is it natural? Is it man-made? Is it technology? Is it a combination? I, I don't know, uh, just because I, I haven't researched it enough. But our climate is changing. Now, 
part of my fear is, are we going to see the David Icke problem, reaction, solution? Are we being now hit with this going, yo, here's the problem. Here's your carbon tax. Now we need to send you back. You know, This is why I was afraid when they put the smart meter on my home. Are they going to say, we can't allow for people to use electricity this long or this often, so you only get to use your electricity for five hours a day. Is it going to go that route? And I'm thinking worst case scenario, yes, I'm the resident conspiracy theorist, but I have to think of what could this mean? Are they going to only allow us to drive our cars certain times a day? You know, really, ideally, I'm hoping that clean technology comes out, and it's out there, you know, but we're, at least we're led to believe that the oil industry has this tight grip around everybody. But I don't know, maybe there's something else. Maybe we're going to start seeing some of that clean energy. I mean, Dr. Greer, uh, here's, here's my alien piece. Man, I keep coming back to that. But Dr. Greer says, says it flat out in Unacknowledged and, and in his content that the technology exists. And, and we kind of got an admission from that in last week's discussion as we talked about some of the Tom DeLonge stuff. That, that some people on this planet have this technology, have access to this clean technology. Tesla apparently invented this technology uh, using the Earth's energy to power things and use electricity. So we don't need this addiction to fossil fuels, but how, how is this going to impact what our government tells us we have to do or that we can't do? How can we circumvent that by developing our own methods of clean living, our own survivable methods, so we're not forced into one direction because here comes the big, bad, scary thing. Now, again, I do think climate change is happening. My, my thoughts are with the people in Florida that got hit with this horrendous, horrendous storm. Um, it, it, it's a very sad, very scary thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only 39 years old right now, so I haven't been around that long to know the history from experience of how bad storms are. But when I was a kid, I don't remember this many, quote, superstorms or major storms or major disasters. It seems like every year we're seeing them. Um, you know, are, are they getting stronger? Does it involve harp technology? I, I don't know. But I do think that our weather is changing. And, and here's what came to my mind. You know, I, I started thinking about when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, ancient prophecies all the time. And it was about all, it was like Nostradamus and, and all these uh, people that saw the future, and a lot of people predicted major earth changes. So the first date was the year 2000. You know, the world's going to end, Y2K, all that scary stuff. I remember being on call that night with the military. Uh, and then it was 2012. Everybody was focused on 2012. Oh, here it comes, the end of the world. I don't know that there's a, a common popular date right now. Well, we got this UN date saying, you know, by 2030, we're going to have, you know, irreversible damage on the planet. But I remember listening recently, like about three years ago, I was listening to a lot of the old Monroe Institute tapes, and when they first started channeling, Bob Monroe and his travelers were getting data from something out there that was warning them of coming earth changes. I caught an old coast-to-coast -coast video of uh, uh, Scanlon was his last name. I can't remember his first name now. Um but he was very big on earth changes. And he was saying he was getting with, he would have visions and he was a, a well-documented and proven uh, healer. They were calling him the modern day Edgar Casey. So he had verifiable results as a healer. And he was saying his visions, 
was it 80%, 90%? His visions of predicting earthquakes in certain areas were coming true. Now, this interview was like 1994, 1995, and he, or he was saying, and he was saying by 95 to 2000, we were going to start experiencing these major changes. And he was talking about basically California is going to fall off into the ocean. We're going to lose some of the East Coast. And then the Mississippi River is going to expand tremendously. You're going to need this giant bridge to cross it. These are the visions that he was getting. And he had this whole new new Earth map that he created based on the visions that he was seeing. That didn't happen in the year 1995 to 2000. And my questions on that was, well, was he wrong? Was he a fraud? Or did he just get his dates wrong? You know, why did people like Bob Monroe, who again, credible guy, why was he getting information on earth changes? Why was Scanlon getting information on earth changes? Why were there countless accounts of abductees, people with the UFO phenomenon, saying, I'm being shown the earth being destroyed? You know, one theory I have in that is, well, for an loose driven society trying to promote fear... Maybe they're just putting that out there so it keeps people in that state of fear and anxiety. Or maybe we are being used as the conscious creation machines to plant that seed so then we as the conscious creators who are being manipulated bring about our own catastrophic destruction because we're being fed, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and all of a sudden we believe it, and then we're actually the ones that make it happen. I've talked about that on my Hollywood stuff. Or, or maybe this is really going to happen. I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. But these are the things that go through my mind as I'm seeing this playing out now. I think, well, maybe they just got the dates wrong because we're starting to see it. So a lot to think about, food for thought. Um, I want to move on from that heavy subject. Uh, if you have any comments on it, please you know, hit me up through SixthSenseMedia.net. There's a contact portion. I'd love to know what you're thinking on it, uh, what experience you have with what more data do you have for me that I can share with all the listeners out there? Please get in touch. So in, in thinking about what's going on with Google, and I'm going to read the article in a minute, but I, I want to start with, with the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights in the United States Constitution. And the First Amendment deals with freedom of religion, speech, and the press. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Do you know how powerful that is? Given where the world was when this was written? This is saying that you can believe whatever you want to believe. We can't put a law in a place that tells us you can't worship any God you want. Number one. We can't limit your freedom of speech or the press's ability to write whatever they want. Now, it has to be. Obviously, now we have laws that support that with slander and, and libel and all that stuff. So there is some restrictions to that, obviously, but... That that's, seems like it's under attack right now. I talked about Alex Jones the last couple of weeks, how they completely took him out. And there is, if you've ever heard of the, three, the Free Thought Project, they suffered a major blow 
this week. And I want to share their experience as well because their freedom came under attack. So I found this article. uh, A listener tagged me um, on Instagram, and I'm so thankful for that because it really, you know, got me going on this. I wasn't aware of this. And this, this article is called, First They Came for Alex Jones. We told you we were next. We were. This was August 12th. I'm sorry, October 12th, 2018 is the date of the article. October 11th, 2018 will be remembered in history as the day the tech giants attempted to wipe out independent, liberty-minded, anti-war media from the airwaves. On Thursday, in a coordinated effort, hundreds of pages devoted to peace and liberty were memory hold by social media giants. What makes this purge from Facebook and Twitter so egregious is that the pages like the Free Thought Project, the Anti-Media, Press for Truth, and dozens of others did not fit the hate speech narrative these same companies used to wipe out Alex Jones. Instead, these pages were dedicated to spreading peace, bridging the divide, bringing humanity together, and holding government accountable. The purge happened around 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time with mainstream news reports launching at the same time, implying that they were given the heads up about the move. In a statement co-authored by Facebook head and cybersecurity Nathaniel Gleitscher, who Caitlin Johnson aptly points out also happens to be the former White House National Security Director of Cybersecurity Policy, the massive social media platform explained that it has removed 559 pages and 251 accounts that have consistently broken our rules against spam and coordinated inauthentic behavior. Facebook said the pages were, quote, working to mislead others about who they are and what they are doing. However, this couldn't be further from the truth. Our names, addresses, and phone numbers were on all of our pages and our profiles. We were verified by Facebook with a little check mark next to our name, so they know we are a legitimate organization slash outlet. They have seen our Articles of Organization, which was issued by the state of Louisiana, which is where my partner and the Free Thought Project co-founder lives. Jason Bassler, co-founder of the Free Thought Project, explained. However, in their statement, Facebook then suggested the real reason behind the purge. Elections are coming. And pesky folks like the independent media have a way of reporting information on candidates that the mainstream tends to ignore, like war corruption and more recently Brett Kavanaugh's disdain for the Constitution. Given the activity we've seen and its timing ahead of the U.S. mainstream elections, we wanted to give some details about the types of behavior that led to this action, Facebook said, before accusing us of hawking fake products or functioning as an ad farms that tricked people into thinking they were forms for legitimate political debate. It should be stated that the Free Thought Project never hid the fact that we worked with other independent media groups to share our information around the web. This is the very definition of grassroots. But all of us together certainly pose a threat to the mainstream, so this nonsense about tricking people was brought into play. Within all of our pages under the Free Thought umbrella, we had had close to 6 million followers. Does Facebook think it knows better than 6 million people who click like on our page? We also had close to 16,000 reviews on our page with an average 4.1 star rating, directly showing that people desired to see what we were putting out. The only ones manipulating people here are the tech giants themselves all but proving the case that this was a coordinated attack by the tech giant community shortly after the purge on Facebook. Twitter followed suit, wiping out our profiles on there as well. They gave absolutely no reason for the suspension. I'm going to share the rest of this in the Seeker newsletter and the show notes at SixthSenseMedia.com. Now, 
whether you follow the Free Thought Project or not, this is number two now that they're going after. First was Alex Jones, now is the Free Thought Project. This is serious. After the last election, everybody was complaining about how broken and corrupt the media is, yet most people... I'm sorry, a lot of people are still supporting the mainstream media and getting their news from the mainstream media. But there is a large number of us who are looking to the independent media to gather our information and our news. I trust those independent sources more than I trust the mainstream. I go to the mainstream to get the story, and then I start digging and looking what the independent analysis is. Now, CNN does their own analysis on things. I don't have to agree with it. They're not getting shut down for being fake news or misleading or, or for giving their opinions. That's what I do on my show. I give my I'm not trying to mislead anybody. I'm trying to share my analysis and my opinions based on my vantage and what I've acquired, the knowledge I've acquired. So <clears throat> I read the bill or I read the First Amendment. This is an attack on free speech, and it's an attack on your ability to have access to information and independent thought separate from the mainstream, which is in the government's pocket. Now, let me guess. I sound like a conspiracy theorist, right? So I'm concerned, which is why I'm sharing this story. I am concerned over this. And it's interesting that they're going after these platforms right now and trying to shut them down and shutting them down successfully, which affects the livelihood of those people that are working these platforms. But the bigger threat, here, here it comes, I'm going off the deep end. I, I read an article and I have it linked somewhere. I just don't have it off the top of my head, but I do have the source for this. Were there there are major concerns that by the time the next election comes around, which was that, 2020, two years, AI will be so sophisticated that it will be mining all of your metadata so it will know your likes, your dislikes, and your fears. And then this AI will be able to craft fake news stories and then ship those stories out by the millions those stories will be catered to your own likes, dislikes, and fears. So an AI is going to basically know what your trigger points are and craft stories to hit those trigger points. That's an apocalypse of news and information once that happens. And yet we have people like the Free Thought Project and Alex Jones, although they do have a major reach and influence, being targeted. So what do we do? How do we get our information? You know, we have to... I don't have an answer yet. Again, collect what you can right now. I know there's a lot of us out there and we're brainstorming, us in the independent media. What other platforms can we have that has the same reach? Unfortunately, most people go to YouTube and Google to get their information or Facebook for social media. We're trying to create safe platforms where we can talk about this stuff 
and not have to worry about our funding being shut down through PayPal or the platform itself pulling the rug out from under us. So there are some attempts to start building these platforms. I, I wish that those of us in the independent media could better organize. And we're, we're doing a pretty good job, I think, of starting to get a little bit more organized. But we've got little factions here and there. And it seems like the bigger brands out there are building their own platforms that push their own agendas, which if I had my own platform, believe me, you'd get a lot of content that's in line with my views and beliefs. I think that's just the nature of the beast. My hope is that we continue to build these independent platforms. So support them. When you start to see them, support those platforms. And here's a time for a shameless plug. Sign up for the Seeker newsletter, please. That, that'll guarantee you get that access to Sixth Sense media content. You get my free ebook as well, and you'll always get the show notes and the links to every single podcast. And subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, the RSS feed. All right, there's my mid-show commercial. <clears throat> but please, subscribe. All right, let's talk Google for a minute. Google Plus, this, this article comes to us from uh, TechCrunch.com. Google Plus to shut down after cover-up of data exposing bug. Google's about to have its Cambridge Analytical moment. A security bug allowed third-party developers to access Google Plus user profile data since 2015 until Google discovered it and patched it in March 2018, but decided not to inform the world. When a user gave permission to an app to access their public profile data, the bug also let those developers pull their and their friends' non-public profile fields. Indeed, 496,951 users, full names, email addresses, birth dates, gender, profile photos, places lived, occupation, and relationship status were potentially exposed, though Google says it has no evidence the data was misused by the 438 apps that could have had access. <clears throat> the company decided against informing the public because it would lead to, quote, us coming into the spotlight alongside or even instead of Facebook, despite having stayed under the radar throughout the Cambridge Analytical scandal according to an internal memo. Now Google+, Plus, which was already a ghost town largely abandoned or never inhabited by users, has become a massive liability for the company. The news comes from a damning Wall Street Journal report that said Google is expected to announce a slew of privacy reforms today in response to the bug. Google made that announcement about the findings of its Project Strobe security audit minutes after the, the Wall Street Journal report was published. The changes include stopping most third-party developers from accessing Android phone SMS data, call logs, and some contact info. Gmail will restrict building add-ons to a small number of developers. Google Plus will cease all its consumer services while winding down over the next 10 months with an opportunity for users to export their data while Google refocuses on make, making Google Plus an enterprise product. Google will also change its account permission system for giving third-party apps access to your data such that you have to confirm each type of access individually rather than all at once. Gmail add-ons will be limited to those directly enhancing email functionality, including email clients, backup, CRM, mail merge, and productivity tools. All right, there's more to this article. Uh, I'm going to share it with you to read and to review. But again, just like Facebook did, Google had knowledge of the compromise and said nothing. Now, I use Google. My email account is through Google. Um, <clears throat> but I'm careful what I put in there, as I think we all need to be. Be careful what you put in there. Obviously, 
the stuff I put on the show, I'm a pretty open book about a lot of the things that I've experienced and gone through. That's all out there anyway. But these internet companies, they don't care about you. They don't care about us, the consumer. Just be careful. I, I, that's really all I can say. I don't want to beat a dead horse because I talked about it last night. I have links to Google's... Um, response, their official response on their blog. I'll share that in the show notes. I don't want to give this any more energy. I, I just I just want us to be mindful that what we've now come to trust some of us and put our most personal information out there, it can be compromised. And it ha a lot of it has been compromised. So be careful moving forward. So you've got the compromise, the compromisation, is that a word? The compromise on one hand and you've got <clears throat> violations of, of free speech on the other hand, what do we do? I, I want to bring it back to something positive. Because I believe we can all find our way. Let's take that step back. Let's write down our thoughts and our feelings in our journal. And it might be hard at first. You may only be able to write for two minutes. You might get frustrated. But take your time. Get used to it again. Because we all used to do it when we were younger as kids in school, and let's reconnect with that inner self. Learn to listen to that intuitive voice. <clears throat> Quiet down the Facebook alerts and start listening to that instinct alert that we have. And I think we will find the roadmap we need to find our way. You know, I was really stressed about stuff over the last two weeks. And uh, I realized it was because I had gotten away from pursuing my explorations, my work with things of this nature. Yeah, I do the show every week, but I try to practice what I preach. I try to incorporate that into my life. I, I'm trying to build something with those values and beliefs. And I had gotten away from it because, well, work has just been overwhelming. And I went down a thought thread about this, and I st all of a sudden, <clears throat> I started feeling happier. The visualizations that I, that I had of my future and, and what I want to do came flooding back. So I, I just want to share that with you. If you're feeling bogged down by life, if you're feeling stressed out, I want you to take that pause and align with your vision again. What was your dream? And daydream. Fantasize about it. And just think about it and, and, and imagine what you could do and see yourself doing it. I felt so much. It was like the level of energy that hit me when I started thinking about that again was incredibly uplifting. We can make the change. I know I talked about scary stuff tonight. I need, I need to shift gears in my next couple shows, I think. We can make the change. We can do this. Look within. Take that time. Find your passion. Find what you love. Find what makes you happy and do it. Get better at it. And you can incorporate that and make it a lifestyle. I believe that. I know that. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trying to build. That's what I know Ray Davis is, is going through the same thing with my Sixth Sense Media co-founder. We're getting there. I believe in every one of you out there. 
Let's stay connected. Let's make this happen. The future can and will be wonderful. Despite the scary stuff I talked about, I promise we have that potential, friends. Let's go there together. All right. My voice is shot. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. I want to direct you to sign up for the Seeker newsletter and to get your free access to read I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are. And it's the best way to stay connected. SixthSenseMedia.net slash I Am Human. SixthSenseMedia.net slash I Am Human. Say it three times. SixthSenseMedia.net slash I Am Human. You get the newsletter, you get the podcast, you get the free ebook, and so much more. There's more to come, I promise you. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud. I've been throwing a lot of stuff up on YouTube as well. Your subscriptions help, your likes help, your comments help. I'm still playing the game, even though I don't trust the platforms. I'm still playing the game, and I need your help out there right now. If you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, give it a rating, give it a ranking, write a review. That stuff helps. I'm I'm asking you, please, help me out here. All right, my friends, that's it. I'm out of time. I want you all to have a wonderful week. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.